You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 959 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll receive 15% off on your next order with Built Bar. Today's show will focus on what became a 24 point loss in Denver for the Hawks on Sunday night. A not a great performance. Overall, obviously, if you, if you talk about the score, I know a lot of Hawks fans probably turned this one off in the second half of this game, and I can't blame you. It was a pretty lackluster performance, all things considered, from Atlanta, and we'll dive into that as always, but thank you as, as always for joining us on the podcast. So, I will say at the top, if there was one game on this trip that I would have probably circled as a potential flop spot, it was probably going to be in Denver. Not only are the Nuggets good, but the the altitude there is always a challenge in the middle of a long road trip. Um, with that said, I would not go as far as to blame that for this loss. I think this is a bad performance from the Hawks that might have been at least influenced by that. In fact, Nate McMillan came out after the game and talked about some officiating that they didn't like in the first half and maybe sort of swinging their mindset at some point. You never know what's to blame, but the Hawks did not play well in this game, as we'll touch on throughout this podcast. Um, Atlanta did win the first matchup between these two teams this season. Uh, they beat Denver in Atlanta in February in a pretty nice win for the Hawks back then. Um, in this spot, though, um, Denver was, I think they're better right now on paper than they were back then with the addition of Aaron Gordon, who, who actually debuted in this game. And the Nuggets only were missing one guy. It was uh, Monty Morris, who's a key piece for them, but not a like full-on you know top-five guy for them either. Whereas the Hawks were without DeAndre Hunter again. This is the second straight time in a row that Hunter has missed this, has missed a game after returning. He came back after a 23-game absence, played two games, and then missed one, and then missed another tonight. Hunter was listed as questionable coming in on uh, as of Saturday with a uh, knee soreness in that same knee that's been bothering him for quite some time. Um, Nate McMillan said on Saturday that the Hawks were monitoring him for some knee swelling um, in addition to the pain, and they were hoping that it was going to go down. He did, not, he did not practice at all on Saturday. But it never went down enough, obviously, um, for, for him to play in this game. Um, you know, fingers crossed on Hunter that it will not be a long-term issue. But obviously, people are asking me, you know, how, how, how worrisome this is. It's not good. I'll say that <laughs> to have the guy come back um, after all that time, play two games, and then have issues enough to sideline him for two more. So I'm not an expert. I won't tell you anything that I don't know, and I, I'd be guessing, quite frankly. But it's not a good sign necessarily. So we'll see what his status is for Tuesday's game in Phoenix, but not the greatest sign in the world there. Um, elsewhere, no Cam Reddish, no, no Chris Dunn. McMillan did say that Lou Williams will be re- will be uh, expected to join them in Phoenix on Tuesday. They gave him an extra day or two to sort of get settled, so he'll be heading to Phoenix hopefully to join them and uh, perhaps play on Tuesday, but if nothing else, he'll be there with them on Tuesday, according to McMillan. So, you know, again, this is a game the Hawks are not supposed to win, quote-unquote. They were uh, underdogs by four and a half points, according to our friends at Battleline.ag, so that tells you... The Hawks are not favored in this game. It's a tough matchup. Denver's very good. At the same time, um, losing by this much is not what you would like to do. At any rate, we'll dive in now to the play-by-play of sorts in this game. A little bit shorter, probably, because it was uh, so lopsided in the second half. But in the early going, the Hawks actually won the first quarter of this game. It feels like a long time ago now as I record this, but it happened. Um, Coming out of the gate, it was kind of a precursor that the Nuggets were getting anything they wanted on offense. 
in the really in the entire game, but especially in the early going. They scored 14 points on the first eight possessions. Um, Jokic sort of dishing. Not a lot of resist, not a lot of resistance from the Hawks defense with the Nuggets getting into their stuff very comfortably. They finally missed a layup, and actually the Hawks took the lead on a Tony Snell three at 15 to 14. Um, but McMillan, McMillan called timeout at 20 to 20. And while the offense was pretty good in the early going, they just could not get stops. Um, Will Barton had it going in the early uh, in the early portion of this contest. They went to the bench finally with Herter, Hill, and Gallinari coming in out of a timeout, and then a Congo after that, and then Mays after that. So they closed the first quarter, and they went to the second quarter with all a with a full bench lineup on the floor. It worked okay at the end of the first, not as well at the end of the second, at the beginning of the second quarter, but. The Hawks did play great on offense in the first quarter to kind of paper over the defensive problems. They shot 13-22 from the floor and 6 of 9 from 3 in the first quarter. That's a lot of threes in one quarter. Uh, 9 assists. And when you factor in that the Hawks only had, uh, yeah, 18 assists for the game. So 9 in the first quarter and 9 in the final three quarters combined. Yikes. Um, But they scored almost 1.5 points per possession in the first quarter. So they were playing great on offense. Eight guys scored in the first period. Gallinari had 7 points. The Nuggets shot 61% from the floor on their own, but the offense uh, was good enough for the Hawks to sort of offset that. From that point forward, though, it was pretty much all Nuggets. Um, They left the second unit in to start the second quarter, which I did not love. They had a three, actually, on the first possession offensively. Kevin Herter had a three. So the Hawks had seven threes in about 12 and a half minutes of this game, and they only finished with 12. So they cooled off from there, obviously. The Nuggets got going. They had a 10 to 3 run. To begin the quarter, some hot some hot shooting from from Michael Green for sure for the Nuggets, but uh, I didn't love riding the bench unit for as long as they did in that spot. They, they came back to Trey Young and John Collins out of a timeout and went on a, a sort of a run of their own, an eight to two push to retake the lead. But that was the last time the Hawks would lead in this game. The last the last lead they had was that they actually led 30, 38 to thirty three at one point, and then a little bit um, smaller margin after that. But it was all nuggets from there. A um, couple early threes from Herter, which is a good sign. But other than that, uh, not a lot to report in the positive side. The Hawks were scoring well, but then a 13-0 run for Denver, which was the biggest swing in the game, like one particular stretch. The, the, the Hawks didn't score for about three and a half, almost four minutes in that period. And it goes from up four to down nine and uh, yikes at that point. Um, the Hawks trailed by as many as 11 late in the first half and then 10 at the actual halftime break. Again, offensively in the first half, if you take the whole thing sort of overall, it was pretty good. They shot 51% from the floor. They hit nine threes. Um, Gallinari had 10 points. They had six guys that scored six points or more. They were balanced and scoring plenty. It was just defensively, it was pretty abysmal. They allowed about 1.38 points per possession in the first half. A real, a real lack of ball pressure getting to the Nuggets. They were. I, was, I guess the one that I would describe this is that Denver was very comfortable offensively for most of the game. Um, and, you know, that's a credit to them. They're very good on offense. This is a top-five offensive team in the league, so it's not a shock that they would be playing well on offense, but there was not a lot of, like, disruption happening from the Hawks' defense throughout that first half and really the entire game. But Denver had 19 assists in the first in the first half and uh, getting to the rim at will, and that continued after the halftime break. But before we get to the second half and some takeaways from this game, a word from our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action today. Even without football, for a little while longer, you're, there's plenty to wager on, including the NBA, of course. College basketball is in full swing, both men's and women's right now, and the NHL is also happening. You have golf, you have soccer, you have tennis, auto racing, UFC, 
All that kind of stuff is available for you at betonline.ag, and BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds are present, and you have props on almost anything you can imagine right now at BetOnline, and BetOnline has you covered for all your news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today. And if you do that, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code, and that is promo code Locked On. Yes, that is 50% free cash and a welcome bonus with promo code Locked On. One more time, promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in here in the second half and some takeaways. Uh, you know, obviously, looking at the scoreboard, if you watch this game, you would know the second half did not go very well for Atlanta. Um, and that happened right away to get things out of the way. So, obviously, people going to bed probably saw very little of this. And once they saw this lead bounce, I would not blame anybody for going to bed. But it was a 12-2 run for the Nuggets to start the third quarter, including a four-point play by Michael Porter Jr. And sort of in a flash, it was a 20-point game. So, the Hawks led 49-45. In the second quarter, like fairly late, not like all the way late, but still like, you know, midway or later in the second half. And from that point forward, it was a 32 to 8 extended run from the, from the Nuggets to go from down four to up 20 in less than a quarter. So that was the difference in the game. There was the first salvo of the 13-0 run in the second quarter and then followed it up by this one. And once it gets to 20, the Hawks made one more run. And we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, you know, down 20 there, you're obviously a massive underdog, especially on the road against a pretty good team. Um, the Hawks did have, again, one more push. It was Trey Young scoring eight points in about two and a half minutes, keying a run to cut it to 13. So the Nuggets didn't score for about three minutes. That was the last time the Nuggets really had a dry spell in this game. But going from 20 down to 13, you make it manageable, to be sure. Denver calls timeout, and the Hawks have some momentum, and things are at least relatively interesting. But... The thing that cost the Hawks to get things even more interesting from there was that um, out of the timeout, the Hawks had three consecutive empty trips offensively, even when they got stops on the Nuggets. But they had some makeable shots that would have made it, you know, maybe down to eight or down to nine or ten or something like that to make like kind of put the pressure on Denver. And they missed all three shots. And then from that point, um, they were down by 18 at the end of the third quarter. And that was kind of it just because, you know, Denver wasn't going to just not score the rest of the game. <laughs> they had their one dry spell and the Hawks couldn't take full advantage of it. At any rate, um, through three quarters, this is the biggest thing for me, other than just like defensively it was bad throughout this game, but especially on the glass. The Hawks have been pretty good on the glass this season, especially offensively, but even on the defensive glass, it's been pretty good this year. This game was not good in that area. Through three quarters, Denver had 14 offensive rebounds, which is pretty high under any circumstances, but that was also 40% of their own missed shots. Actually, more than 40% of their own missed shots. And Denver only had three offensive rebounds in the entire first meeting against the Hawks in Atlanta. So part of that is a little bit of luck, but Denver just outworked the Hawks on the glass in this spot. Um, at that point, through three quarters, the Nuggets had 17%, sorry, 17 second chance points. And that's just really bad overall. I think LaCapella struggled mightily in this game. He was not the only one that was responsible for this, but he was a big part of it. But a big a big reason why the Nuggets were scoring so frequently and so efficiently was that when they missed, they got the ball back and put it back. You know, they had 48 points in the paint through three quarters. And basically the line of the sand for like the competitive portion of this game was, was three quarters. So it was all Denver on the offensive glass in the lane. And then they shot the ball pretty well as well. So a pretty uh, bad formula defensively for Atlanta. The one bright spot scoring wise in the third was Trey Young with 12 points in the period. But that was kind of it. In the fourth, they tried to have one final push. The Hawks did. 
They stay with a couple stars on the floor to open the fourth quarter. Um, it didn't really matter though. They didn't, they avoided the second man, the second unit lineup like they like they used in the first half. But the Nuggets had an eight one run, putting it up to twenty five in a hurry. That was kind of it. The Hawks scored one point in the first four minutes of the fourth quarter, and that was uh, you know, the end of the game. Basically, they they cleared the bench with about six and a half minutes to go wisely you know there was no reason to keep anybody in there for any, for any, any period of time it went to Goodwin and Knight who hadn't played at that point in time it was funny when they called timeout Trey Young was at the line so he had to stay in and shoot free throws but as soon as he did that he auto fouled like intentionally in the backcourt just to come out of the game um, so they were ready to pull the plug on this one to be sure and kind of just forget this one even happened um, as I, I think I'm going to use the title of this particular game um, uh, of this podcast, I should say, as, as sort of a night to forget, and it definitely was one, and the Hawks treated it as such at the end of this game. Um, a sure sign things are out of control is that they played a lineup with Nathan Knight, Anaka Kongwu, and Rudolf Fernando playing together for the final four minutes of this game. It's kind of funny, the Hawks don't have a lot of, like, third-unit perimeter guys, so uh, all three young guys in the, in the front court playing together tells you the game is absolutely over, and it was bowl-bowl time late for Denver. Uh, yeah, a stretch to forget. Absolutely. So overall in this game, it was a, you know, it was pretty bad on both ends of the floor in the aggregate, but I think defensively it was definitely worse than offensively, at least in the competitive portion of the game. Um, the glass was bad on both ends. Um, they lost the offensive glass in, in a big way. Denver dominated, um, but the Hawks actually only had two offensive rebounds. And that's an area where the Hawks have been elite this season. Like this is the top three or four offensive rebound te- rebounding team in the entire league. There was no juice there for Atlanta on the glass. Also, Atlanta had 18 assists on 36 made shots. That's some pretty uh, shaky passing numbers there as well. Offensively, they ended up about league average in scoring um, in this spot with 1.1 or so points per possession. That's not terrible, but Denver is a pretty shaky defense. And a lot of that was just like kind of, you know, try to keep up. But I will not say the Hawks played well in offense in this game. They were not terrible, but it was not a great offensive performance. Defensively, I think, I think terrible is the accurate way to put it. Again, caveat, the Nuggets are really good on offense. Um, this is a top five or six offense in the league by the, by the numbers, and they're at full strength here with Jokic, and he's cooking, and Will Barton, and all that stuff. They, they were good, but Denver, 50, 50 points in the paint, and it would have been a lot more than that if they were trying in the fourth quarter, which they, which they basically weren't. Um, they shot the ball really well in this game. The Hawks had just no juice around the rim, nor did they have any juice stopping per, uh, penetration or even cuts on the backside. There were a couple of adjustments that Miller did make that just kind of more fruitless, but uh, gave up a bunch of backdoor cuts. Uh, just a lot of bad defensive execution throughout. You know, the Hawks are not good defensively, like capital G good for the season, but they've been better than this. This was like shades of previous years as to how bad they were defensively in this spot. So one to forget, absolutely. And uh, probably better to leave it there for now because of how bad things went in this game. Okay, we'll come back in a moment with some individual breakdowns and look ahead to the rest of the week. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. For a long time, I've been telling you over and over again on this podcast that Built Bar is fantastic. It tastes amazing. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. And it's also, on top of being awesome in terms of taste, it's low calorie, it's low sugar, high protein, and high fiber and has 100% chocolate on all of its bars. And now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the absolute best. It is Built Bar Madness here at the end of March. There's a bracket available for your voting pleasure at BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And today's matchup on this Monday is Coconut Brownie Chunk against Caramel Brownie, a heavyweight 
Belt there for sure, and two flavors that I really, really enjoy. In fact, Built Bar's been carrying me the last few weeks as the Hawks have been on the West Coast. Lots of late nights, need, need a snack, need to pick me up to get me through the night, and Built Bar's been awesome for that, as it always is. And if you want to weigh in on the matchups or simply order some Built Bars of your own, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com, 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15, and if you do that, you get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar in the business. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com One thing I should add before we get to the individual stuff is that the Hawks, with this loss, fall into a tie for sixth in the Eastern Conference. As I've said a number of times in recent days, the East is so bunched up that you can win like two, two in a row and go from like 10th to 4th. So I'm not too worried about that, but the Hawks do need to start winning, obviously. Uh, this road trip is a treacherous one. The schedule def- definitely gets easier after this, but they're in this battle now with New York and Charlotte and Boston, Miami, Indiana. Chicago just got better with Vucevic, um, and even Toronto is kind of looming. So uh, tightly bunched, and we'll see what happens from this point forward. As for the individual stuff in this game, a uh, couple guys that didn't play much, if at all, in the actual competitive portion. Um, Brandon Goodwin had a nice uh, stretch run with seven points in his seven minutes, but they were all in garbage time. Fernando, same thing, uh, three points in four minutes. Nathan and I got, got to the line for six free throws in the final seven minutes and all garbage time as well. Um, those guys uh, were the ones that only ones that did not play in the uh, semi-competitive portion of this game. Anika Kongwu played 12 minutes, had one point, two blocks, a steal, three rebounds. Didn't take a field goal, but got to the line for two free throws. I thought he was pretty solid, honestly. Um, wasn't game-changing by any means, but I thought he was just fine in his one um, first-half stint when the game was still uh, sort of in doubt. Elsewhere, uh, Solomon Hill, 1-4 from the floor, 1-4 from three, three points, three, uh, and one rebound, minus seven. He was uh, just fine, wasn't great, nor was he terrible. Skylar Mays, a couple flashes, had five points and two rebounds in 14 minutes. Kevin Herman, a couple jump shots, uh, otherwise pretty quiet from him, uh, eight points, two assists in 23 minutes. Um, and finally on the bench, um, Gallinari was pretty good offensively. He was one of the only guys who was at least reasonably efficient, had 14 points on 11 shooting possessions, 5'10 from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3, made all, made all three of his free throws, three rebounds and two assists, but he was pretty bad defensively in this game, as he often is. Um, to the starters, Bogdanovich, a lot quieter in this game after a couple of nice ones before this. Nine points, one assist, one steal, one rebound in 23 minutes, four knocked from the floor. Had a lot of trouble with Will Barton, especially in the first half when Barton was really kind of cooking off screens and all of that. He, he definitely cooled off, um, which is, I guess, some credit to the defense, but um, he, he was pretty shaky out of the gate here. Tony Snell took one shot from the floor in this game and made it on a three in the first half. Got to the line, though. Two of two from the free throw line. 
And it's always a landmark occasion when Tony Snell shoots free throws. And by the way, as uh, many have noted, Tony still has not missed a free throw in two calendar years. So that is uh, still happening after he made both in this spot. But uh, all jokes aside, I think defensively it was one of his shakier games of the season. Not that he's a great defender, but he's usually pretty solid. In this game, he was not as good as he usually is. Um, elsewhere, Clint Capella. Whew, uh, Clint was bad in this game. Uh, I'm not afraid to say that Clint's been really good this year because he has been, but this is a performance in which he would like this one back, you would hope. Um, he's not been quite as explosive athletically, I don't think, in the last like couple of weeks as he was earlier in the season. But this is one where defensively he just made no impact at all. Honestly, he looked, he looked kind of slow and sluggish. Offensively, he was uh, shaky with his finishing, 5-11 from the floor, a couple of bad shot selection moments from Clint in this game, and also one offensive rebound. And if he's not doing that on offense, like his his value offensively is his finishing in terms of like pick and roll dives and lobs. And then offensive rebounding is probably his number one thing on offense. And he didn't either one of those things in this game. So that tells you combination of uh, how rough that was. And honestly, this is, you know, it's often noisy, but since the, the he was minus 22 in this game, that was the worst on the team. And he probably earned it. He was, he was bad in this game. I don't want to go crazy about it, but he was uh, certainly a net negative for, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's rare for that. So I'm not going to pile on, but it was not a good night for Clint. Elsewhere, John Collins, a lot quieter in this game after the breakout uh, career high night on Friday. 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1 steal. Had some foul trouble, 26 minutes. He wasn't terrible, but wasn't his normal efficient self either. 3 rebounds from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3. So uh, he's had better nights at the office. And Trey Young was the only guy on offense who was really, like, you know, terribly efficient. Uh, 21 points, 7 assists, 2 steals, 5 rebounds. But that's seven turnovers, too. So even that, he was the one guy that had it going as a scorer, but even then was not terribly uh, secure with the ball. And then defensively, had some competitive moments, had a couple steals. I thought he was better in the first half than the second half. But, um, you know, just not a, there wasn't a whole lot of positive to take away from this game, honestly. Uh, if you made me pick, like, who was, who was the best guy when compared to their normal baseline in this game, I don't even know where I would go, which tells you all you need to know about this game. So the Hawks lose going away here. Uh, we'll leave this one in the dust. As I said, a night to forget for the Hawks. Um, elsewhere, the rest of this week is pretty interesting for Atlanta as the road trip um, finally ends later on this week. The next one's going to be a pretty big test on Tuesday in Phoenix. You might remember this is the game that was postponed in the first half when the Hawks were in Phoenix and the game got um, postponed because of COVID protocols. So that's rescheduled for this Tuesday. 10 p.m. Eastern. That's a late night game. That's a tough one. Phoenix is playing great this year. So that's one that's definitely going to be a challenge for Atlanta. And then a back to back at the end of the trip. And that is just absolutely horrible scheduling. Like it's brutal. Um, already an eight game trip on the West Coast. And you finish up with a just a nice little back to back going from San Antonio on Thursday to New Orleans on Friday. And New Orleans is one of the worst teams on, that they played on the schedule. But given the back-to-back and the fact that they're the last game on the road trip, that's that's a schedule loss if it's coming. So uh, circle that one too. So the rest of this trip is three more games. If the Hawks were to go one and two, that would not be a bad result. If they go two and one, it'd be great. Like absolute home run from this point forward. So we'll come back to that, of course, the rest of the week. But uh, keep an eye on the schedule. Keep an eye on the standings. The Hawks are still being competitive at this point, and um, you know we'll see what happens from this point. On. I will just, uh, one more note here, the Hawks, with this loss, go back to 500 on the, on the season. Uh, just kind of a landmark that I'm tracking, you know, pluses or minuses. But if they were to fall short in Phoenix on Tuesday, they'll fall below that mark for the first time in a little bit. Um, but Phoenix won tonight in Charlotte, but they're on the road, so they have to travel back to not a huge advantage there for anybody. 
coming into that game. At any rate, I might have another show on Monday, on Monday night if things go according to plan. I'm planning to do a podcast of some sort on Monday evening going into Tuesday morning. If not, the latest that I, have, I will have another show will be after the game on Tuesday. That'll be a late night one, as usual, from these West Coast games. But please subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way to know if I have a new podcast in your feed. And also rate and review, as well as telling your friends if you enjoy the podcast. I really appreciate all the support. Thank you, as always, for listening. I apologize if this is a less coherent than usual. It is quite late, and I have not been feeling well the last couple of days. So uh, forgive me if I've made any faux pas on this podcast. But at any rate, we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Tuesday. Stay tuned, and thanks, as always, for listening.